Good morning, angels. Wake up! Wake morning, gentlemen. Nice day for a heist, see? Nah. Good morning, Americans. Let's see one in the morning. Good morning. Okay, okay, let's get this show on the road. Get fired up! Cook down, tough guy. Are we ready? Let's freaking go, man. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to begin. Wake up. Wipe the crust from your eyes. It's time for C1 in the morning. Good morning. C1 in the morning. How do we sound? Sound good? Do we sound better Hopefully than we, we have? We sound pretty fire. Yeah. Fire. New mics. Fire. New outlook on life. A new zest. Yes. We're about it. Uh, anyway, you're listening to C1 in the morning. You're midweek disc golf morning show podcast yep. yep what are you doing right now i know what you should be doing you should be going hitting that subscribe button on spotify and apple itunes like buttons like buttons uh notifications everything shares shares uh comment send, uh, friends. send us a gif harass them definitely harass your friends if anything first thing you should do is harass your friends yes Spam them while you're at it. Also, send them to our socials. Uh, see one in the morning at Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash see one in the morning. What will you find there? You'll find a lot of stuff like us and making posts and memes and fun things. A picture of when we played disc golf yesterday in the snow. That was fun. Yeah, also, was fun. you'll find the links to our speak pipe. You yeah, don't know buddy. what that is. And just like we had very much thought. JMO was the first one. JMO was the one. Hit us up on SpeakPipe. It's the way you can communicate with the show. Feel free to leave us a comment, ask us a question, argue, whatever you want. If you do, we'll play it live on the air. Now let's get to it. It was a busy weekend. Yes, it was. It was quite a busy weekend. Um, Memorial over the weekend. Memorial. Uh, Clash at the Concho over the weekend. So first and foremost... Shout out Adam Hammes. Fire yeah, he played round. great. 11, Fire round one. Did it come back 1100? It was like 1104 after. 1104. Okay. 1104. Yeah, he shot over an 1100 rated round. Super shout out to him. It was 16 down, no bogeys. That's insane. He was too birdie shy of a perfect scorecard. So shout out to Adam Hammes. He, he went off. That's kind of about where it ended for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he played consistent, and that's the one thing I'll say is he for sure played consistent. Um, played consistent and balanced for most of the weekend. Um, I would say a lot of it was just small mental errors. Right. Stuff where it's like he probably overthought the shot or probably tried to do something he didn't do in the previous round and did not turn out the way he right. thought it was going to what were the conditions like out there for the this perfect. weekend perfect it like almost eerie really like so dead quiet no wind like it was weird like uh terry made a couple mentions of it during like the actual uh the coverage mm -hmm. of him being like dude it's just so eerily calm out there it's just complete night and day difference from what the players had dealt with back in vegas yeah. yeah back in vegas um adam hammis ended up 
fallen and I think finished solo fifth. Okay. Well, that's so, still not bad considering the uh, the caliber of players that were above him. Correct. Leading to that, AB again. AB again. AB, I think, is kind of just scratching at this point. He's just scratching. It, the. He's due. Now, I will say that we've only seen him play in the open so far. That's exactly what my one of my one of my points that I watched and had wrote down was that I think we will see AB continue to dominate on open courses. Still a question mark on the woods courses because I just we haven't seen him yet. Right. I will tell you now that if he's at OTB or Portland, he's in my top three for those courses. We'll have to see because I think I think Chris Dickerson's playing those courses and Portland particularly he plays really well at. Right. Well, OTB. Now, if it's the same course as last year, it's going to be a pretty open course. It's a bomber course, and nobody bombs like AB bombs. So as long as he can stay out of the OB, I think he has a really good chance of uh, top three. I won't. I don't know if I'll name him for my win, but top three for sure. That's fair. That's fair. Um, some other stuff that kind of happened over the memorial. Um, Aaron Gossage. Yeah, it was stayed, nice to see him up towards the top. Stayed consistent. I really think that I, from Aaron Gossage's perspective, I don't think he lost that event. I just think Gannon and others ended up playing right better. Right. If that makes sense. Like he didn't make errors, didn't really have too bad of a shots. Nothing that like was like, oh my God, that ruined it for him. It's just everybody else was just pay, playing lights, lights out, out yeah. the entire weekend. Which to be fair, the the man, what's the course name? I'm blanking. Uh doesn't matter, Fountain Hill? Yes. No. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because they have the big ass fountain. fountain. Like that is a birdie or die course. Like you so, have so to birdie. play like they out. did make changes though. Did they? Yes, they made changes. A couple of them were pointed out. Like a couple of the holes were lengthened, mm-hmm. and some were shortened. So like they basically like. I think it was very close to the same distance on the course of what it previously was. It's just they had shortened some holes to be able to lengthen other holes. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. We're going to cut this one short so we can push this one out another 150 feet. Right. Um, So there were some changes, but you are for sure correct. That is like a birdie or die course. Um, And and that's one of the reasons it always offers up 1100 rated rounds every year. Owen Scoggins got the memo, bro. Dude, she got that dog in her, dude. Telling you. I think she ended minus 18. Yeah. What was she? She led by. She beat everybody by like 10 strokes. Double digits. Yeah. Double digits. She went insane. Off. It was the putting. Yeah. Of course it's the putting. It was the, she was lights out. Like yeah. Any, even doesn't C, matter. C2, outside C2, didn't matter. She was lights out. Um, a couple other notable mentions. Uh, first and foremost, shout out Ganon Burr. Shout the out Ganon Burr. Was not in any of the lead card coverage yeah. for the entire three days of the event. Right. Shows up out of nowhere. Let lead card last day. And just lets loose. Are we going to mention that it went to a three-way playoff? We are going to mention it went <laughs> to a three-way playoff with A.B., Gannon Burr, and please refresh my memory. Oh, it's like up on my computer, too. I'm so dumb. Aaron Gossage. Was it Aaron? I believe it was Aaron. Give me a moment. And that's just me following along on PDG. I didn't correct. get to really get to. You're correct. Aaron okay. Gossage. Aaron Gossage, AB, and Gannon Burr. Um, so Gannon Burr was like basically like, I could 
give a shit less about all of the stuff surrounding me right now. Oh, yeah. I'm going to power through and I'm going to catch a dub. I, I love playoffs like that, especially like anything that involves more than two people because it's like anybody, it's anybody's win because they, yeah. they all played well enough to get there, obviously. Shout out to Discraft for having droves of top five players out there. Um, Shout out to Discraft for coming out with the Zone OS at Zone OS, at Memorial. bro. Zone OS. I'm going to get me one of those. Zone OS. I'm curious to know if somebody threw it. It wasn't like openly. I think it noted. just got a PDG approved today. Oh. So I don't think anybody was throwing it at the tournament. Oh. News, news. Yeah. Um. Some notable mentions. All right. This cat here, bro. I caught my first glimpse of this guy at Challenge at Go Hill. Oh, Cupcake? Jacob Cordes. Bro. Yeah. Cupcake. Dude has a can. Yeah, he does. He can rip, bro. But this is, uh, was it day three? Day three, he was on lead card. So, yep. like, he, he like, this is his second in, a, in an A-tier event that he's been on lead card, mm -hmm. playing up there with top-tier players. He was on the lead card with um, Eagle. Mm -hmm. Who else was that? Freaking challenge at Goat Hill. There was a couple other big boys out there. Luke Sampson, one of those guys. Luke Sampson, I think. I mean, Luke Sampson's putting is atrocious. Sorry, Luke. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you got to do something about that, bro. Like if you if he did something, if Luke Sampson did something about his putting, it would there would not be a question. I think on who would be in my top five every single week. Right. But yes, um, atrocious putting for Luke Sampson at a challenge at Goat Hill. Anyway, we're past that. We're moving forward um onward and upward yes and just a couple quick sidebars um before we get into the main event the of the evening <laughs> it's time it's time copyright um is that really copyrighted i'm pretty sure it is oh well um we didn't play it so yeah we just said it it's parody at that point clash at concho couple notable mentions there i didn't watch all of the coverage because i was kind of like very invested in the memorial coverage and so Casey White yes. went off. Didn't win, but went off. He didn't win? No. See, I didn't the only thing I saw was one shot that Disc Golf Pro Tour posted of him clinking it off the basket for an almost ace. And then that it rolled happened. to like thirty three feet. He had multiple outside C one putts. Did he? Just cashing those boys. Dead in the chains, dead right on the money. Heck yeah. He went off. Super shout out Casey White. Um, I wish he would have pulled it off. Joel Freeman ended up taking the dub. Really? I didn't actually. even know that. Wow. Yep. Uh Joel Freeman, uh first. Who's gonna be in my picks this week? You'll you guys will hear that. Yeah, you'll you'll hear those picks coming up here soon. Um Emerson Keith took second. Nice. He's dude. He wasn't too far off at I think LVC. a solo seventh at yeah, LVC. Like he was top ten at LVC. Yeah. He took second. Behind Joel Freeman by two strokes. I'm not going to say it's the discs, but, I mean, he wasn't really doing that when he was throwing last 64. The saying. one thing that I keep hearing from anybody that switched over to Lone Star is the quality of plastic is just right. fire. And granted, you'll hear that from everybody. Yeah. But fire quality plastic. Well, I've only ever, like, held a couple of them. According to Nico, if you throw their lineup, one or two of them are going in your bag. That's what I heard from the commercial. That's fair. I almost put a harpoon in my bag because I liked it so much. <laughs> Um, Jaden Rye. Uh, Ooh, that's a name I haven't heard of. I think he is also a Lone Star. Well, yeah, they also have that street team that's like 110 people. So, yeah, 
uh, at this point. If you don't know, just guess Lone Star. I'm just going to rip right. off the top five real quick. Joel Freeman, one. Emerson Keith, two. Jaden Rye, three. Nicola Castro, four. Okay. Nicholas Roten at technically five. This was like a like a four or five way tie. Oh, nice. Um, and Casey White was included in that tie. Oh, okay. Um, so he wasn't too far off. Uh, granted, Joel Freeman had neg 36 to finish. Um, that, Oof. that tie was neg 27 amongst like four or five. Oh, so people. that was still like nine strokes off the lead. Yeah, nah. he, he had some work to do. Yeah. Um, but shout out to those guys. I think um, overall, okay, okay. My boy Jared Stahl. I've played with Jared before in person. He was top 15 at Clash at Contro. Nice. Um, sorry, random topic there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think those are our notable mentions. Um, Memorial, not as obviously because it's not like a t- pro tour event. It's not right. as like heavily televised or there's not a whole lot of coverage. Just an A tier now. Yes, but it does give us, I think, a lot of insight, as especially this next week coming up yes. um, at Waco, as to what we could be expecting to see from certain players, uh, especially it's those more open courses. Right, even though Waco is partially wooded. Partially. So, I mean, we'll see. We Like I, I've stated in the past, Waco is so weird because you either get the guy that you expect to win or somebody that you don't expect to win, and there's no in-between. Speaking of... Winners, winners, winners. I think we're we have like, I mean, we're we're definitely winning. We have a game changing situation for you. We have a we have a winning interview coming up with a winner. With a winner, we got the opportunity to sit down, have a conversation with Scott Stokely, where we talk about you know Thailand. We talk about his travels. We talk yeah, about the, the myth, pro the tour. We talk about possible Masters tours and. The greatest forehand shot the disc golf world has ever seen. And everything in between. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Yeah, let's 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 bring them on. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest tonight with 261 career wins. I'm going to list the gamut. I was on your PDGA page today. Uh, 86, I mean, 261 career events. I already messed up. Oh, I was 86 so career wins. You were going to let me go, weren't you? Of course I was. <laughs> Number two in the Global Master Series, winner of the 2023 Xiang Mei Open, PDJ number 3140, Mr. Scott Stokely. The How are we himself, doing tonight? Ladies and gentlemen. I fantastic. And I love the way you said good evening because it's like, Eight in the morning. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Fair it's, enough. Yeah, it's it's later here. I I'm, yeah, I'm not used to that time zone change. A lot more people are going to watch the show in the U.S. than in Bangkok, so I think I think uh, Good Evening was probably correct. Hey, two percent of our audience is from the Philippines. Yes. So we'll get we're, we're three people. Philippines. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful. I actually just sent a message to the woman who's the tournament director for the Philippines tournament this past weekend, wishing her luck. Um, I was, I actually was very, very close to going, but I ended up going back to Bangkok to get some surgeries done. But uh, uh, had I not done that, I was going to the Philippines. You said, mentioned surgeries, anything serious or we all good? Well, I mean, yeah, no, everything's good. You know, one of the wonderful things about living in a big wide world is that there are places on earth with healthcare that are, especially like in the big cities, Every bit as good as anywhere in the West, you know, the same doctor, mm-hmm. 
same equipment, same protocol, same sanitation. Like they're they're just modern hospitals, except the cost is like twenty five to thirty percent of what it costs in the U.S. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm basically getting about eighty thousand dollars worth of work done for twenty. I, I was telling people sixteen by mistake. It's twenty six thousand, but it's twenty six thousand right. instead of eighty thousand. Um. So if like for instance, a difference. these teeth right here that make me look old. Well, <laughs> when I come on next year, I'll have a full set of teeth up here. But I had to get a oh, phone yeah. tap my sinus cavity, which is like thirty thousand dollars in the U.S. and it's like ten thousand here. Oh. Yeah, you're spending basically what it costs for an ambulance here to get all that work done. Yep. Yes. <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. So anyway, I couldn't. Uh, rec- or I think the experience has been fantastic. I couldn't. I could not recommend it any stronger. If you're looking to get, especially like elective surgery, cosmetic, dental stuff like that. Like, yeah, right. Go to go to Southeast Asia. You won't regret it. I will take that advice if I ever need that. <laughs> High recommendation from Scott Stokely. So yep. you said you're currently in Thailand. While we yeah. were talking, you said you've been in eight different countries in the past three months, which I believe so. Yeah, yeah, which is insane. That think about that much traveling for me at least. I I'm not a big traveler. I wish I was, but like, and you know how it is. Uh, tell me what that's been like. Well, so um, for those of the people that don't follow me, like I I've, I'm a uh, I'm a full time nomad. Uh, mm-hmm. Me. Uh, my, my, my girlfriend and I both, uh, like every single thing we own is in our hotel room right now. And, and that's hydration. We don't have a box of photos at our parents' house. We don't have a storage unit. We don't own anything that we can't fit into two backpacks, literally. Uh, now when I'm competing in bigger tournaments, I'll have merchandise. I'll have my golf discs. I got my tournament clothing, right? So that's, that's a business. Those are business things. But actual, like, my life consists of six shirts, three pairs of shorts, you know, a laptop. Um, so our life is just built around traveling. And everything I do working is remote. It's all from the phone. It's all on the computer. So that's just how we live. And by the way, it's not a vacation. I mean, we're, we're never going to stop doing this. This is this is how – this is just a life. So life. It's, it's not for everybody. But it's exactly how we like to do it. Like we're leaving in two weeks to go to Japan, and then we're stopping in China on the way to Copenhagen, which is the beginning of the Euro Tour and the European right. Pro Tour, uh, which I'll be competing in through December. Then our plans are to do India and Africa next winter. So that's yeah, just awesome. Our- <laughs> that's so awesome. What would you say is kind of the biggest difference that you've noticed between competitive play here in the States and overseas? Well, it's, so it depends. Overseas is a broad term. You know, you go to Scandinavia, you're talking about a level of golf that is on par with the U.S. With the exception of, you know, like there's probably like a half dozen players that are maybe like that, that one little tiny tier above. But as far as at a tournament, you're filled with a bunch of thousand plus rated players that are good. And, you know, a, you know, a bunch of 14-year-old kids that throw 500 feet that are about to <laughs> um, That's Scandinavia. And then the, uh, the rest of Europe is, is maybe kind of like a little tier below that. Um, not for any reason other than there's 10 times as many players in Finland as there is in, well, let's say Austria. So you're going to get 10 yeah. times good players. That's the only reason. It's just numbers. Um, basically, the way it works, this is I, uh, something that I figured out. It's really fun for me. 
it's like I'm, I say I'm time traveling because I started playing in 1976 when there was one course. So I've seen the complete evolution of the game. And basically everywhere I go is someplace back in time the way it was at some point in my life. Right. Like for, for instance, I'm in Southeast Asia right now, and this is like disc golf in the 80s. Like there's one course in this town. Nobody knows about the, the disc golf except for the people that play it and maybe the neighbors. Um, but, you know, the, you, you don't even bother telling the waitress why you're in town because then you'll have to explain what Frisbee golf is. And, you know, <laughs> uh, they'll, and they'll say, oh, I, so-and-so plays real golf and you have to, like, cringe. So it's <laughs> – but, it's, but it's, it's like going back in time. That's the way it was for us in the, in the 80s. And then when I was in Australia and New Zealand, that's kind of like disc golf in the 90s where – it's definitely catching on. You'll go to a town where there's three, four courses in that town and you run into people that have heard of it, but not everybody. Um, you know, you have sponsors, but they're local sandwich shops. Right. So it's the experience to honestly, it's just like going back in time. It's, it's, it's no different. Um, in fact, I've even called this my, my disc golf midlife crisis. Like my <laughs> midlife, 53 years old isn't to, to, to want to go back and live life like I was 20. I want to go back to, to play disc golf like when I was 20. And that's kind of what I'm so doing. awesome. It's really it's so awesome. Well, there's this energy, like there's this energy and this camaraderie that comes when the sport is small, when nobody knows what you do, when half the people at the tournament had to lie to their spouses about what they were doing this weekend because <laughs> – it's not okay. Um, you definitely lied to your boss. Nobody was giving you time off of work to play a disc golf tournament because they didn't even believe that there was such a thing. So there's this kind of like this camaraderie that comes from this shared being an outcast thing. Right. It's kind of like, you know, there's, there's nothing less unique than all the goth kids dressing alike. But the reason they all dressed alike <laughs> is they wanted a community. Even They were outcasts who wanted a community and found a community and that it became this beautiful thing. And it's kind of like the way it is. Like, Everybody that plays in these, these towns have, have this really beautiful thing going that no one else around them knows. That's the way it was for us in the 80s. It's really, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's exciting. I'm also going to go back on the tour because it's also exciting to play in front of galleries with media. I'm not, yeah, right, yeah. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's different. It's, it's cool. Hit those shots like the skins match, you know? I, I, I don't even remember that. Can you, can you refresh my memory? No, skin. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the greatest forehand shot I've ever seen. He's got to be kidding. I appreciate that. There is a, by the way, it's a documentary about to be released. And I'm, you guys can, I'm breaking the story with you. Um, it's a documentary. It's, it's, it's exclusive. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I posted the trailer. So the trailer's out. Oh. But it's my exclusive. It's going to be mainstream, though. It's not, it's not like on my channel. It's going to be on a mainstream channel. It's really good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's that, that's, that's super cool. It's yeah, and the documentary is centered around me, and especially the twelve months leading up to that moment. It's pretty cool. Heck yeah! Uh, while you were in the states, I, I know that you were, were trying traveling around doing clinics and classes. I even tried to sign up for one while you were in Michigan. They were awful. Are you still doing that while you're traveling overseas? So yeah, yes and no. Um, I everything's I've modified everything. Um, the ones you <laughs> the, the reason it was full was. I set my entire 2022 schedule in October of 2021, and within 24 hours, I basically sold out the entire year. Um, pretty, I was, yeah, I was really mind blown um, 
buy it. Uh, so that's why it was full. Um, those are the full day seminars you're trying to sign up for. It's six people. It's like a 10 hour seminar. I'm very intensive. I'm not doing those, but I have multiple people in the U.S. who are doing those. So if you go to scottstokely.net, I have seminars uh, out there, uh, three play- touring players, touring players or ex-touring players or off and on touring players, but high-level players who are teaching my method of teaching at these full-day seminars. So those seminars are still happening. I'm just not teaching them. Um, I am doing two things. I, I'm still teaching. That's how I you know, I don't have a trust fund. <laughs> right, just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not paying my bills with prize money. Um, the, uh, the, I am doing clinics. Like I will be doing the clinics all over Europe and that's basically, you know, it's like 20 or 30 bucks, but you know, as many people that want to show up can show up. It's two hours long. Uh, those will be happening all over Europe taught by me. Uh, but the big thing I'm doing is I have a, a six month online class called become a complete disc golfer. And it's a, it's, I, it's, it's the pinnacle of my teaching. Cause I, I basically have, it's a six month class. There's two live classes every month. There's a, a discord channel where you're, if you're in the class, you're constantly for six months being given things to do. And then you're posting form reviews. And I have four, um, trainers working in, uh, working for me and myself who are doing form reviews, uh, like on the channel. So it's not just like watching videos and then getting a list of, you know, throw 25 of this shot. It's like, it's right. an interactive class for six months. Um, it's backhand sidearm and putting and utility shots are the physical part of the game, but we also cover building a bag, playing in the wind, playing in the rain, mental game, strategy, course preparation, tournament play, like how to sign up for leagues. I mean, it's just a complete everything you like, like if something isn't included and someone brings it up, it becomes included in the class. Um, that's oh, at cool. scottstokely.net. And um, it is the thing I'm most proud of in my teaching. I mean, it's, it's, my, it's my life's work I've put into this. It's, it's very good. And everybody that plays it, that, that signs up is like the, the general consensus. And by general, I mean, virtually everybody is, I was kind of skeptical if an online class would work. Holy crap. I'm now throwing way farther than before I'm hitting my lines and I feel snap and I just won my first, you know, tournament. I mean, that's, that's pretty right. much awesome. Yeah. So sorry. I don't mean to like, I don't want to like overly sell it or bore oh, you. No. Oh no. Oh no. Yes. Sell your wires, sir. Is that is, that is where I'm, that's how I'm, <laughs> that's how I'm paying. You're selling me. That's for sure. Yeah. So yes. Good. <laughs> What, what I'm hearing is that there's going to be a bunch of European kids bombing 450 foot forehands by the end of the year. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, pretty much. They already do. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, Europe is it's so good. I mean, basically, disc golf is uh, is almost the national sport of Finland. Right. Yeah, that's like, pretty you, awesome, though. You do the math. Like, I love. I'm I'm a math nerd. I'm watch. Well, okay, I'm a nerd, but I'm also <laughs> a nerd. If you had the amount of courses in Denver as they have in Finland per capita, you would have nearly a thousand courses in Denver. Just in Denver. Wow, Denver. that's insane. That's the ratio of disc golf courses to to uh, players, or you know, in the ballpark, which is insane. I mean, you're talking about every <laughs> every couple, every thousand, two thousand people have their own course in Finland. It's, it's I mean, it's unbelievable and estonia is not far behind 
Um, by the way, Iceland has more courses per capita than Finland. They have a smaller population. But Iceland right. has more courses per capita than Finland even. And, and of course, Sweden and Norway is right there. And it's like, yeah, it's, 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 I can't wait to go compete over there. Yeah, we see it with uh, players like Kristen Tatar winning basically like a national uh, award like a sportsmanship award in uh, yeah Estonia, right? She's Estonian. Yeah. Am I getting that wrong? Yeah. In Estonia. And you like, you'll never, I mean, I'm not going to say never, but you don't see that right now in America. Like even someone like Paul Macbeth is not getting as much national recognition as they do overseas or in Europe, let's say. Yeah. It's, I mean, but, it, but more every day and, yeah. and, and, you know, it, it's like, like it's heading that direction. Um, not only that, um, oh, oh, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on her name. She just won a national award in Laos. Um, oh, uh, Owen Scoggins. Um, oh, yeah, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Won an, a, a national sports award in Laos where she's from. And she went, even, I think she went, even went back there to be recognized by the government. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, it's happening. Yeah, you know, to say in, you know, another five years or so that the the winner of usdgc isn't going to meet the president yeah hey i mean Ollie, that's fair. i want to brag or anything but i'm going to go ahead and brag so uh just last season i went to a waffle house and i walked in the front door they gave me the best table nice hey best table at the waffle house you know the the few places i have traveled are south and i'm telling you nothing beats the best table at a waffle house is it the one closest to the door so when the fight breaks out you can get out Oh my God! No, it was <laughs> next to the. the... <laughs> oh, I'm about to say something horrible. I'm not going to say. Um, oh, you can say whatever you want. I was... <laughs> no, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> As a sponsor, um, uh... <laughs> no, um, no, a lot of weird stuff. I mean, the stuff that's been happening to me, like I, I've, like it, on this travels, like how many times have I been recognized in the airport? Half dozen. Probably like a half dozen times in the airport, people like run up to me to get my autograph. Like, and I'm not Paul, you know, I got a pretty right. good presence, but I'm not, the, I'm not Paul or Ricky or Simon. Um, that happens. Um, we went, Adrienne and I, I keep pointing over here. She's on the other end of the camera. We were <laughs> last year, we were in the middle of nowhere. Uh, this was so funny. So th- th- this is my, this is my level of fame, like summed up like in 10 seconds. Uh, we went, we were in the middle of nowhere. So we weren't in the town where the tournament's happening. We stopped at a steakhouse and uh, I'm doing well enough to go to steakhouses now, but I'm not doing well enough to eat filet mignon. I'm kind of like <laughs> right on that line. And right. uh, we there. And so we both order like the, uh, like the, the, the sirloin or something like that. Um, uh, uh, whatever, whatever it was, we ordered like the medium cost steak and we sit down to order and then when they come to bring it, this guy sets down the most gigantic piece of meat. He goes, oh, he goes, by the way, uh, we upgraded you to the 20-ounce ribeye, Mr. Stokely. And there's no charge for your meal, of course. Oh, man. That's excellent. And I was like, holy cow. And then and then they, they, put a, they put the original sirloin in front of Adriana. So basically, <laughs> so here's my level of fame. I sometimes get upgraded to the ribeye, but it doesn't cover the whole table. <laughs> hey man any little comp is good comp in my opinion yes that's fair yes fair. yeah it was uh, fine. perfect i loved every second everybody asked me if i shared with her it's like no oh no. go, go set a world record and then you get your own damn yeah 
I share with a couple world titles. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yep. <laughs> no, it's uh, titled in this relationship. Actually, when you said your Wait. this your um, longest hole record, I climbed that mountain with you. Oh, that's right. Oh my God! Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you want to hear a funny story? Yeah, she's here. here here's the. This is the funniest thing we ever heard. Um, by the way, you, you want to hear me just make a third of your audience just hate me? But yeah, sure. They already hate us anyway. Do they? <laughs> I'll say it. So Alex Honnold has become my hero. He's the guy that did Free Solo. I, okay. I can't get enough documentaries about... He, he, climbed, he climbed El Cap with yes. no... Right? No he ropes, just, just a chalk bag. Just a chalk bag and his shoes. And he climbed El Cap. And I, I think it's the greatest human achievement of all time, right? It's amazing. And he did a documentary called Free Solo, which won an Academy Award for, like, best documentary. It's unbelievable. Um, so at the Academy <laughs> I shouldn't say any of this. <laughs> it's too late. To- <laughs> nope. Nope. So, okay, so I was already, trying- already full stepped send. in. Full send. <laughs> so at the Academy Awards, at the Academy Awards, um, he's up there. His girlfriend's in the documentary also, and and um, in the documentary, like like she wants him to like quit climbing so he can have a family and all this like horrible, horrible stuff. Um, he doesn't even tell her he's climbing it, presumably because it would be a distraction because she's going to tell him how worried she is and and she's going to screw with his head, right? So he's he, he sends her off. And then she gets a phone call from the camera crew that says, hey, Alex is climbing, right? Because he doesn't even tell her he's going to climb. So anyways, he climbs El Cap. They, a few months later, a year later, whatever, he wins the Academy Award. And they go up on stage, and, and uh, the, they're giving all their thanks. And then the director thanks Alex's girlfriend. And she says, you climbed a mountain too that day. And I'm literally screaming at the TV, no, she didn't. <laughs> She, she did the exact same thing that day that I did. We didn't climb a mountain. <laughs> yeah. We did not climb the mountain. We did not climb. Like, like, what are you talking about? She had to climb the mountain that day. No, one person climbed El Cap that day. And, and did <laughs> not risk thousands of feet of death. Yes. And so that's kind of been our joke. You know, like, she's like, she goes, I deserve a stake. I climbed a mountain. Every time you set a world record, I also set a world record that day. That's what she, <laughs> we always joke about. Anyways. That's sorry, excellent. Now- uh, so I, I, before we got off on that, I had a, uh, <laughs> sorry, a, a weird, no, you're good. We get off on tangents all the time. Uh, we were talking about how big it was over in like Finland and Estonia and all that. I, uh, how come you think that the majority of the coverage, I know that the uh, DGN is now going to be covering Euro Tour and Euro Pro Tour events over in Europe, but how come you think that most of the scene, as it could be called, is uh, centered around the United States if it's perhaps bigger over in Europe than it is here? Um, it's easy. Um, it's centered around the United States because, well, first off, that's where the media companies are located. That's where the money that created the DGPT came from. So it's where it started, but it's also where the highest level of play is. Um, that's just where it happens to be. If the highest level of play, like if some billionaire in Australia said, I'm going to put together a hundred million dollar disc golf tour in Australia and, and all the best players went to Australia, that would be the center of the disc golf 
universe on television. It's it's right, sort of, yeah. it's the same reason why, like, you know, I hate to say this because I'm one of the old guys too. Because I I don't want the theme of this whole podcast has been making people hate me. By the way, I don't want I don't want my older friends to hate me. But people say, "What about a senior tour?" Which there kind of is now. And why can't this, the the those like uh, the older players get more shine and get more media coverage? And it's like, yeah, that would be awesome. Nobody wants to watch it. Like when you watch basketball, you want to watch the NBA. Or if you like women's basketball, you want to watch the WNBA. You want to watch the highest level of basketball. You know, and then even college basketball, there's tribalism related to that. And there's regional, like there's, there's, there's other things that work there. But you're not watching the senior NBA tour. And, and we're not watching the European NBA tour. They watch the NBA because it's the highest level of play. So that's all it is. Right now, that's where the top players are playing is here. If that changes, the people are going to watch the top players. Like if Paul, Ricky, Simon, Eagle, and, and Calvin and Gannon like all started playing the Prodigy Tour over in Finland, that would get the highest ratings. I guarantee it. Right. So I, I think I might be on the majority where if there was I, – I watch everything. Like I, I – I can't get enough. If there was uh, coverage of the Masters Tour, which I know that they're doing, I don't know what the full schedule is of the Masters Tour now. I think it's a lot of the Elite Series events have, you know, the Masters events thrown in, but they don't cover them. But when you have people that you grew up watching, like, I mean, Kale LaVisca is now joining a bunch of those Masters events. You have, like, Barry Schultz and all these guys that you don't see on regular coverage anymore, but you've seen them in the past. There's something nostalgic and cool about watching how sure. it used to be. Yeah, and the great thing is it's the internet's a perfect democracy. Like my my opinion of whether or not people want to watch a, a Masters tournament like has zero bearing on on whether or not people watch that tournament. Like my opinion doesn't matter. What matters is the numbers. You know, if you right. get no, absolutely four hundred thousand people watch this over here, and then you know, 3000 people watch that over here. That's people voting. Like yeah. Every, yeah. YouTube. We, everybody gets to vote. Believe me. I mean, God, my God, the, the greatest thing in the entire world to me would be if there was a, a MP 50 master series that would, with a ton of prize, money. well, I, I give away my prize money, but hypothetically to have a tour where I could go hang out with my old friends. Like I would love that. I would love that more than anything, but I'm also not a hypocrite. Like when I watch basketball, right. I don't watch, the NBA senior tour. I mean, if, by the way, if you told me there was one, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be like, Oh, I'm, I won't watch it. I want to watch LeBron James. Like, Oh, so now, like just as a, as a counterpoint. So with, with uh, a sport like, you know, football, basketball, that is kind of more impact on the body than I'd say disc golf is like, People can play disc golf at a high level. I mean, look at yourself. Look at you can play at a high level for much longer. So, like, even in your forties and fifties, you can still be playing at a high level. We just don't yeah. necessarily think of them as top players anymore. But like, I love when you go to like watch GMC and Steve Brinster's tearing it up out there. Like, that's one of my favorite things. It's like, yes, that he that's the guy. Like, he's there. And I I I know that. I might be in the minority, but I think if there was a product that it would probably get the views because of how many, you know, it's not like, I know Europe, like the demographic for disc golf is much uh, younger, but in the United States, it's, you know, you 
late 20s 30s like that's the main demographic of disc golf in the united states i feel like right now and if they covered it or like watched it for any length of time they still want to see those their heroes that they saw growing up we just don't get to see them anymore well and that's going to happen right now because europe is going to get a ton of press this year and that will happen in Europe. I say most of the eyes are going to be on the pro tour. I'm only speaking about numbers. I mean, like, oh yeah, I know. They're like, there's going to be more people watching the, the Des Moines Challenge than the the tournament in Croatia. But you know who will be watching the tournament in Croatia? The people in Croatia, right? Yeah, but absolutely. It's going to be massive for there. Uh, you know, every country's every country's going through its own journey and. You you are looking at a national championships, a national level event at your at your like in your country, and so the, Europe is going to get a ton of shine. You're going to see a lot of of players coming out of Europe who are going to get a lot of press in Europe. How much press they get in the U.S. is I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll right, have, yeah, yeah. And I'm, by the way, I'm, I hope like I don't want to come across negative or or anything. No, like you're that. absolutely no, not at all. Everybody to make money and be successful and. You know, uh, and by the way, my gauge on the sports success is about 1% on how much money a touring player makes. That's that's this close to irrelevant to me on, on the grand scheme of things on how, on how well disc golf is doing and how well it's doing globally. Um, but it is worth 60% of the people following are, are most interested in. Right. It, to be fair, like touring professionals don't really make their money from tournaments it's all their their sponsorships and endorsements the tournament money just helps so i mean yeah. you don't need tournament money you know i there's right now there's such a platform to ply your trade that if you're a touring disc golfer if if you're a touring disc golfer and when you're done touring you go back to hanging drywall or middle management or nursing or whatever it is you do that was your choice to leave disc golf like you you have you have a world now where you could turn your touring disc golf career into a disc golf career Mm -hmm. and to not do that is is a choice and and anybody that's a a high level disc golfer that isn't wildly financially successful it's a choice like if they're if someone's a you know, if someone goes out there and wins a pro tour event here and there, they're 1035 rated and they're making $70,000 a year. That's their choice. They could make, they could be making half a million a year if they wanted to easily. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. you just have to, the, 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 I think the biggest challenge, by the way, this is, this goes not just for disc golf. It's a lot of sports. It, it, you have to recognize that a generation ago, your job was to play the sport, but in 2023, there are different components to your job. You know, mm-hmm. by the way, I, think, uh, I'll, I don't want to like pick on disc golf. So I'll, like, we'll take a sport like mixed martial arts. Um, you have people, like you'll hear this all the time from mixed martial arts, someone in the UFC that says, I'm a fighter. Instagram isn't part of my job. And it's like, bullshit. Yes, it is. Instagram, every bit as much a part of your job as learning how to do low kicks. It, it, right. You, want it to be that way and it might not have been that way a generation ago but it is today it is part of your job and your career and if you're just simply fighting and then hoping sponsors come knocking on your door you're probably going to be broke at 35 but if you are 
building a social media following, you're building an audience and teaching seminars and opening up gyms and creating clothing lines and, and endorsing in sports drinks, like you're going to be successful in your 60s. So it's kind of the same thing. I mean, we have this massive media platform, the Disc Golf Pro Tour. They don't need, uh, they, if they didn't pay a dollar in prize money, if this was like the Olympics and the players weren't making mm-hmm. money, it, it has very little impact on what a player should be earning. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm on, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm on my soapbox here, but it's just, that's just the reality. It's 2023. Social media and branding and all those things are part of your job. Has to be, yes. So, so tying into that a little bit, slightly switching gears, but also tying into that Hmm. hot topic in disc golf, obviously, right now is the the Gannon Burr prodigy dispute, the thing that's kind of hit disc golf in droves, um, kind of over the last week and a half or so. Um, don't necessarily want to know any personal preference on that, but I do want to know how do you feel that this situation particularly is going to change the infrastructure for professionals moving forward in the sport? You know, so I, I, I will tell you why my opinion on this, because um, I think please, I think what my opinion on who's right and wrong is valid, because what my opinion is, is that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That, but that is a valid that is a valid opinion. Absolutely. You know, one of the I think one of the tough things. This is a you know a old man dealing with the world of social media rant. But everyone's got an opinion, and no one knows what the hell they're talking about. And the thing is, is that I know the prodigy people, and I know Gannon, and I know Gannon's mom, and I like all of them, and they're all my friends. And the thing people, do, I wish they could understand before they start taking sides is that it is possible for both sides to be right. Okay. There's a reason why when like, when you, when you have a contract dispute and you sue somebody that doesn't mean you're attacking them, nor does it mean the person you're suing did something unethical. It means we disagree on what the contract says because it's written with words and we're human and there's interpretation and words have meanings. It's like that, that differ from one person to the next and intent differs. So you can have a situation where you, you disagree and then you, you, you let a court settle it because that the contract is written in legal language to be interpreted by a court. And it's possible the court can't settle it. And they actually, you have to find a third party that says, well, I'm going to be objective. Do you both agree? I can be objective and I'll settle it for you. And, like both people could be ethically right because they both interpret something differently that's in conflict. And, and I wish people could view it that way, that it's, we're not like, it's, it's, this is very, very overblown. This is just the world of business. It's the world of sports. It's mm-hmm. the world. I mean, nothing's happening here. That's like unusual or as big of a deal as they seem. There's, there's people disagree. You left the contract. I think that it said this, you're supposed to do that. Well, you didn't, do this thing you said you were going to do. Yeah, but I did it to the best of what I thought I was supposed to do. And, and like, so anyways, I'm, you know, I'm a dummy. Like I don't understand anything, but I do know that it's possible that, that nobody did anything wrong and that they just disagreed. Absolutely. And it's settled. And by the way, whatever the court says is going to be the right answer because if one person didn't meet what they agreed to do in the contract and they suffer a consequence because of it on either side, well, then you should have fulfilled your obligations. Yep. Doesn't mean Absolutely. you're on it. 
you're you're going to be forced to fulfill those obligations. And then when that happens, well, you agree to it. You know, like so yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really have a strong feeling about that because it's as our sport becomes more mainstream, it's juicy gossip. But this isn't weird. This is every NBA player and every NBA team every single season of the NBA season. It's just new to us. Yeah, that's kind of my slight point is, do you feel like because this is being this particular issue, because it is normal, it happens all the time. You know, I think a good majority of the United States population has probably dealt with some form of legal issue from a fix it ticket to, um, you know, needing to go sit on the jury board or whatever the case may be. Um, do you feel like because it compares to those situations of basketball, NFL, those similar contract disputes, that it is going to kind of, again, move it further into that echelon of professional sports? The more you introduce money into something, the more that's going to happen. Now, if if you're a purist, especially if you're older from the old days and you're like, well, I think money's hurting the sport because this didn't used to be an issue, that's a very valid opinion. But my response to their valid opinion would be, you need to get over it because it's happening. And and that's just the world that we live in. And the more money, like when, as soon as you start using the word millions, you're going to start, things are going to happen. Eyebrows and start getting raised for sure. Human nature. And, you know, I mean, Prodigy has invested a bunch of money into Gannonburg as well as other players. And they've gotten behind him and they have a media machine that's helped promote the brand of this person. Prodigy has a stake in this. Gannon is looking at his, his future and his livelihood and his putting his kids through college. And, and he's dedicated his life to this sport and he's looking out for himself. And if uh, that's, that is not always, devoid of conflict but it's yeah, not a big absolutely. it's really it's only a big deal in my opinion if people start pointing fingers of like well you you're you tried to do something you tried to wrong me and like i, I you know if you try to smear someone's character um i think that like that's shitty like you should that's not a public discussion that's something you say to someone's face like yeah. you don't harm their ability and i i haven't from what I've seen, I haven't really seen any of that. And, you know, like, it's not a big deal. It's a lawsuit. Any tell anyone yeah. in business what a lawsuit is. They're like, oh, that thing that happens all the time. Ed Hedrick, who is the first, look, Ed Hedrick is the first name on the Mount Rushmore of disc golf in 100% of people's opinions, right? He's the god. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Every single way. This is the running joke. With and and uh, like I, I said, I told Adriana about this. You know what I'm going to say, right? About Ed Hedrick. I said, This is great. I go watch every time we meet someone that knows Ed Hedrick. I'm going to say the same thing to them. So when I bump into someone, an old friend, and they're like, Oh, yeah, I knew Ed, I always say to them, What year did he sue you? And, <laughs> am I right? And their response is 1982, 1977, 1988. Okay, <laughs> Ed sued every person under the sun. He, he, or, you know, at the very least sent out cease and desist letter with threat of lawsuit. Um, that happened, that happened behind the scenes it, and, and our sport grew from that individual. Like this is just, you know, and by the way, none of us, yeah. like, none of us hate Ed because of it. 
like all of us are like Ed was complicated, but we all <laughs> but we still put him on our Mount Rushmore. He was just doing business, and the way he did business was, I have a patent on this thing. You're doing this thing that is taking advantage of this brand that I built, a building called Disc Golf that I put all this money and time into, and now you're putting out baskets that that I'm not getting paid on that you're, in theory, going to make money selling discs at, but I have a patent on these things, like... You need to stop, and if you don't stop, there's. I'll take legal action. I have the right to do so. That's. Did I don't think I did anything wrong. At the same time, it's like Jesus Christ, Dad. Everybody, <laughs> you've got to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not. It's not. It's not weird. You know, I, I love Gannon. I love. I love the people at Prodigy. Like none of that's going to change. I think they're all good people. I really do. And Gannon, I know Gannon's mom was included in this. I've I've spoken with her a bunch of times. She's wonderful. I have get when I when my movie comes out from my growing up disc golf book. As of right now, I got Gannon cast in the starring role. If it doesn't get, yeah. he's going to age out of it. I'll have to replace him. But as of right now, if the movie's made tomorrow, Gannon Burr is playing me in my movie. And I've known Mike Sullivan since 1985. So he's tall enough. He's the guy. Tall enough for sure. I don't know if he can act. We'll find out. If he can't, I'll I'll fire him and you know I'll fire him and <laughs> I'll do him for being lousy at acting. Either. <laughs> uh, so I, I think we got a couple more questions uh, yeah. on uh, non disc golf related. And do it. you have time to play a game with us tonight? I have time for you this I'm, morning. I, I'm in Bangkok for two weeks, not traveling for the probably the only two weeks for the rest of my life where I won't be like going to a new city every day. So I, I have all the time in the world. Heck yeah. Excellent. Well, this actually ties into my question. So you're in Thailand yes. and you mentioned you were in Cambodia and I mean, a bunch of other countries. So I'm a foodie, but there's a caveat. When you go to these exotic countries, you tend to see things that you wouldn't expect to, you know, even be palatable. What's the most, like the weirdest thing you've either eaten or seen on the menu in your travels? All right. So I'll talk about the food here because the food is, it is special. Um, the reason why it's special is everywhere. Um, we, we flew into Singapore. Uh, Singapore is basically like Manhattan to a large extent, but we left Singapore after a few days. It was awesome, but we, we went to um, Indonesia and Malaysia and Thai, Thailand, Cambodia. And, the thing about out here that makes the food so good isn't the restaurants. I'm not, I'm not saying the restaurants aren't good, but it's not the restaurants. What makes it special is that you can go into any neighborhood in any, out in some village in the middle of Cambodia, and you will see people on the street cooking food for sale. Heck yeah. So it's, and that's what they call it, street food. It's like, I didn't really know what that meant. Like we ordered street tacos. That just meant they didn't put lettuce and tomatoes on them. I didn't know really what that meant in the U.S., what street tacos, the origin of it was. Out here, you walk down the street. Like if you're in the city, if you're in Bangkok, if I walked out the door right now and I walked 100 meters, one block, I'm going to find six or seven people cooking food on the street in per block. Wow. And all amazing. And an entire meal cost about a dollar 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 10 something like that no exaggeration so you spend a buck 50 probably because they're ripping you off because you're from america and they get charged an extra they make they charge you a dollar 50 instead of a dollar um 
they don't really do that. I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> so the food is wild, but you don't know what you're ordering. So right. as far as thing I've eaten, I don't really know what that is because we walk up to places and you just point at something and then you eat what they bring you. Heck yeah. I, my, I actually have a friend who's in Bangkok right now for his honeymoon. So yeah, Steve-o. Yeah. If, if you see someone who looks like an emaciated Bruce Willis walking around, you know, say hi. <laughs> um, hey, I, t- I did take a picture. Um, I saw scorpions on a stick. These scorpions. Uh, he actually. He, my, he my friend literally posted on his Snapchat today of scorpions on a stick on the streets yeah. of, of Bangkok. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they sell scorpions on a stick. There'll be like a whole skewer with scorpions on them. And um, there are tons of like squids, tentacles. Seafood is a big thing over there for sure. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it's river fish, which means it just kind of like you eat like a lot of the places don't have uh, the distribution chains or distribution channels that you would have um, in in other places. I mean, you might have some of that to to some extent in Bangkok, but the minute you get outside of town, you eat what what was grown on the farm that day or picked on the farm that day or what they pulled out of the river. Um, Here, I'll give you an example. Uh, We're in Cambodia. And the course in Cambodia, uh, a quick aside, the person that built the first course in Cambodia doesn't own the land. And I asked him, I said, well, how big is your property? He says, well, six-tenths of an acre. I'm like, we have this beautiful disc golf course out in these rice paddies and around these fields with water buffaloes and cows and villages and trees and lakes. And like, like, how do you, like, who owns the land the course is on? And he said, uh, he goes, uh, a bunch of neighbors. And I'm like, wait, you, you, you're, you're putting up baskets on like the, your neighbor's property. And he says, yeah, he says out here, like you want people to use the land. I mean, if you own land and someone else can make use of it, why would you not want them to use it? So none of the neighbors have a problem with the course, tea pads and everything being on their property. If it's on a piece of land, that's, that's not being used. So they make the rice paddies out of bounds. Because that's you know that's farming area, but right next to the out of bounds rice paddy is a basket that the neighbors don't have a problem with, right? It's pretty wild, and uh, um, I was going somewhere with this. You were asking about um, I lose, I'm Lucy. I'm old. Um, about. What? The weirdest yeah. thing that you ever ate. Weirdest thing we I ever ate. That was the original question. Went off on a random. That's what I get for drinking too much coffee at my <laughs> Um so he's we're we're playing on the land and <sighs> Wow. Dead time. No, every fifth house has a restaurant. I, I just completely lost my train of thought. I'm so bad. Oh, it's all good. But um, Completely fine. But anyways, that's the story. There's the courses out on the property. Um, wait, what was the question you asked me? And now it's going to kill. It's going to haunt me. It had, you said it had nothing to do with disc golf. It was about yeah, it, it was in your travels. Like, what's the weirdest thing you've eaten or seen on the menu? The weirdest thing you've eaten or seen on the menu. 
How did that turn into talking about disc golf? You just entered into my brain. It, it somehow... Everything goes back into disc golf. I was going to say, I think for everybody that loves the sport in some way, shape, or form, the conversation always comes back to disc golf. I almost worked it into my vows. Why didn't you? Uh, I, I, I didn't go there. <laughs> uh, so the course was on his property. There's baskets everywhere. We're at uh, talking about the food, and we're... Um, shared property. Shared property. Shared, yeah, they share the rice patties out here. They're the people. People grow rice on other people's property and don't even pay them for for the using the land because if you're not using the land, why would you want to stop someone from growing rice on it? Like that's life or death for that family. So uh, I can't remember where this was going. I'm so sorry. Oh, completely that's fine. All right. Yeah, Just getting the perspective. No, no, no follow up questions on that. I have uh, kind of our our little side game. Do you have any follow up questions before uh, we get into that? Real quick before we play the game, so have you been following uh, like the Disc Golf Pro Tour at all this year? Yes, so for far. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't okay. want time to actually like watch much of it, but I watched what was happening. I saw the AB thing. I saw the. Um, you know, I saw the Compete. whole. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I have an opinion, uh, on it, but. Right. Well, we got this thing going where we're doing. Uh, we're making picks each week for the tournament. Uh, top three FPO, top three MPO, and getting a certain number of points for each one we get right. And then okay. at the end of the season, whoever has the least amount of points gets does, does some kind of punishment that we haven't quite decided. It's uh, live at USDGC. Yeah, it will be at USDGC. So we're thinking probably, you know, following around, you know, maybe Nico with a shirt that says hit me or, or like I'm a big Paul Macbeth fan. He's a big Ricky fan. So I'd make him follow Paul's with all Paul Macbeth gear with a shirt that says Paul's number one fan. Something in that and along those lines. That, that I would rings like. Duke, right? Yeah, I, I would like it. You were to make my picks this week, top three FPO and top three MPO for the Waco annual charity open. For the Waco, is everybody going to be there? I believe yes. uh, Paige Pierce and Kristen Tatar are back. I'm not sure about, about Valerie Mondahano with her injury. So if she's, you can exclude her from the top three. And if she makes it, I'll take that L. But I'm pretty sure everyone is going to be there. And Ricky currently is is registered, but. That that's kind of a hit and miss, I think, just moving into the rest of the season with the the wrist injury that he had going into All Star Weekend. Paul's there. Yep. yep. Um, is Eagle playing? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Eagles a slam dunk. Um, I'm going to go Eagle for the top three open players. How about Eagle? You said Paul. Hmm. Can't ever bet against Paul. How about Eagle, Paul, and Joel Friedman? That's your one, two, three? So Eagle, one, Paul, two, Joel Friedman, third? Okay. That's what about FPO? FPO, Tatar is going to be there, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, you, can't, you can't bet against Tatar anywhere, ever. Um, oh, wow. How about Ella Hansen? Okay. Number- Great pick. And we're gonna go, Colin. That, that's great pick. Exactly who I was hoping you'd pick. So great that's pick. perfect. Great yeah. pick. So, since he's picking yours, I'm gonna go ahead and pick mine. Okay, yeah, do it up. We're gonna go ahead and pick mine. So, 
firmly believe, and, and I'm going to stick with my guy, Eagle. I had Eagle one last week. Mm-hmm. Didn't necessarily come through with it, but I think last week with the weather, it was definitely tough beats for everybody on the course. So I'm going to go Eagle one. Okay. I'm going to go Anthony Barella two. Okay. And I'm going to go Drew Gibson at three. All right. What about FPO? FPO, I'm going Katrina Allen one. Kristen Tatar two. And I'm going to go Holland for three. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to go Holland three. I like that pick. I like that I, pick a lot. I will tell you right now, I, I, in all fairness to Katrina Allen, if like if you forced me, it was, by the way, is Paige going to be there also? Yeah, I think it's going to be yep. her, her debut tournament of the year. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's you know, if if you force me to like, if my life was on the line, you still go Kristen Page Katrina in some order. Mm. Um, yeah. But but it, but these picks aren't fun if you're just picking. You got you have to pick some people that are kind of like like kind of circling it. Oh know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like like I, I feel like I felt like that with my Drew Gibson pick. That's why I say like, it was with, sl- yeah. Gold. I mean, that guy's so good; he could win any tournament he plays. You know. And he has but, the best fashion in disc golf, in my opinion. I'll disagree, but sure. <laughs> the fact All right, so just... should we get into our game? Yeah, yeah, we can, we can get into the game. Um, so, Scott, we do this game. Um, we, called, we call it OB or NAW. OS or, or OS or NAW, excuse me. OS or NAW. So I kind of researched the the vast collection of plastic that this wonderful sport has been able to present to us. And I pull a couple discs um, for Luke or any guest that we have on to kind of guess. Is it overstable or not? Kind of... So I, I pull some random ones out there and I know, and, and this is kind of a fun slash tough game because they're like, there's new plastic that keeps rocking like every week. It seems like PDGA the, approved. I am um, I, I'm like, I know less about golf, the, the, the golf disc that other companies are doing than, than so many people out there. I just, um, yeah, I'm be- right there with you. Luke's right there with you. Um, I know what I throw, but that's about it. That's kind of the why I came up with this fun game is because I feel like I have a slightly above average knowledge of plastic, and it's just because I'm always looking and seeing what's coming out. And I one part about the game for me is the technology advances over the last decade or so that how the technology in the game has been able to advance the game so much when it comes to plastics and molds and things like that. Um, but I'll digress. Luke's not too great at this game either. So I have three discs. Um, We're going to make this slightly interesting with some stakes. So Luke, actually, I'm going to name these three discs. And for every time that Mr. Luke gets one wrong, he is going to eat one of our super hot Carolina Reaper bean boozled beans that we have here. So he's basically going to destroy his taste buds for the sake of disc golf. And, to caveat this, I don't do spicy food. I'm a, I'm a savory, bland guy. I, oh. I'm, I'm a boring food. You said you're a foodie, though, right? I am, but like spice, I've never agreed with. So let's let, let let's put let's put. Can we put the game on pause for one second? Absolutely, absolutely. I know where the conversation was going earlier when I was talking about Cambodia and all the out in the country. Um. So the thing that we do when we travel, 
we are not tourist people. We're not beach people. Um, we actually, we actually tried. We we tried in Indonesia. We walked out to a beach. We sat in these like lawn chairs right on this beautiful beach for how long were we there? We were probably there five minutes, and I'm like, this kind of sucks, right? And she's like, yeah, let's get out of here. And we took a cab out to some village in the country. And um, but like when we were in Indonesia, we weren't in Bali, right? We stayed an hour and a half from the city out in the country, and. Every morning we got up and we would pick some random spot on the map on this island, tell the driver to take us to that spot. And then on the way to the spot, we'd see something and just say, let us off here. And they'd let us out in some like village in Indonesia. And they were just wandering around. There's no white people, no Westerners. Um, everybody's cooking food like everywhere out on the street. It's best food we've ever eaten in our lives. Um, we got in, we got invited into a home to to have dinner by this this family. We're out uh, out onto their patio to have dinner. We had we had a woman bake us a cake, right? Remember? Uh, she's like, oh, she, she spoke a little bit of English. She says, you've never tried Indonesian layer cake. Give me an hour, and she bakes us a cake. Um, so that's the best food we've ever eaten. We've never had better food than we've had traveling outside the. The where are the big cities? Yeah, yeah, and out. But the food is spicy. Um, it's it's really spicy. Yeah, (laughs) I I love spice. I'm a super big spice guy. Um, I put about three teaspoons of pickled habanero juice in my chili, so I'm like a super big spice guy. I Um, I spice to a point where when we're in Thailand, they they always they ask you. Um, do you want spicy or not? Because they, you know, we're white and they just, they know that we're, we're visitors probably. And they'll say, do you want spicy or not? Because normal Thai food here, it's not like Thai food in the U.S. It's like, it's, it's a completely different menu. It's not the same thing at all. So the Thai food out here, is, uh, they ask you and we tell them, make it the way you make it at home. And they laugh and then they make it and we love it. It's spicy. We had, we went to one restaurant in Indonesia of like, it was like, we got this crab that they just pulled out of the water, right? That and it was, it was too spicy. <laughs> like I literally, like too I, spicy. I was on, like I was on fire. But anyways, well, that, that, we found it just like at this pier in the middle of nowhere, where people were like pulling crabs out of the water, and then people that work for the restaurant are pulling crabs out of the water, and then like they boil them for you. It's it's a trip. Cooking them right then. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Luckily, you don't have to worry about your mouth being on fire during this game. Only I do. So only Luke does. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Awesome. I don't so, have a, I don't have a theme song for this. So it was, no theme songs. No theme songs. I'm gonna open this. So I, I'm like so I said. I don't follow do along, so I anticipate the very first question. How we're gonna, gonna do this is I'm gonna name the disc and the manufacturer of the disc. I will take consensus of your answers from both of you, and I will let you know if you're both right, one of you is right, or if you're both wrong. And then we'll kind of do the reveal on whether or not it is OS or or not. All right, let's do it. Awesome. So this one, possibly more on the easy side, because this particular disc had its own commercial at LVC over the weekend. A Nova Juggernaut. OS or not? You can go first, Scott. It's got, it, it, 
no understable disc has ever been referred to as a juggernaut. It's got to be overstable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree because I believe uh, Dave Dunapace was like, but in these Las Vegas wins, you want to pull out the juggernaut. Ding, 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 ding. He did watch the commercial at LVC. Yes, the juggernaut is Anova's new massively overstable distance driver. Um, if you have not checked those out, please definitely go do so. They're super awesome. I have a ding. Ding. He does have a ding. All right. This next one, kind of a little out there, kind of in the theme of the whole Simon MVP signing, the whole sure. shebang. So we got we got some gyro. All right. So orbital. I OS know. or not? You know this one? I do. All right. Well, I'll go first then because I'm not going to take your answer. Nah. Ding, 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 ding. We do have a correct answer. The Orbital from MVP is probably the most understable distance driver that they have available, in my opinion. The Speed 13, I think, right? It's a f- speed, speed 13, negative three or four on the turn. I'm yeah. a little off, can't sh- be sure, but it's neg three or four. Sure, so it's not 3.5 because they use the 0.5. It could be 3.5. We never know. All right. Well, hey, I'm doing good. Doing great. Doing great. No spicy. Nobody has spicy right now. So this one, this one's a little bit of an older disc. It is a discontinued disc that they do not make anymore. Dunzo. They don't make it. Um, It's going to be a Lat 64, Latitude 64, Gladiator. OS or not? Do you know this one, Scott? Should I go first? I don't know it. I'm going to guess overstable. A gladiator? I mean, that just sounds like it's a beefcake of a disc. I'm And I'm going to go understable because if it was overstable, I think they would have kept selling it because the early latitude. Gosh, discs. that's a good point. Now, hey, I'm going to like, I'm going to sneak in a, just a total ruthless plug here. I have several of the first latitude discs ever made, which are now discontinued, available at my store at scottstokely.net. Oh, um, heck so, yeah. I'm heading down there right yeah, after this. Yeah, yeah. So you can go there. These are discontinued discs that we, we have in stock. Uh, I think we got five of them. The first five discs that, that are no longer in production. We have all five in my store. Oh, wow. Um, awesome. That's super awesome. Well, Gladiator, yeah. I mean, I, I just that just sounds like a disc. If it had been overstable, why would they have discontinued it? Because that was they didn't have overstable discs at the beginning that were very good. I don't think. And the reveal. <laughs> it's gonna go to Luke. Yeah, Luke. Luke. It, it was an overstable disc. It was a twelve four zero. 3.5 distance driver um, from Latitude 64. Uh, still available to view on their website, but no longer in production to purchase directly from their website. Um, so that is going to go uh, to Luke for that one. Well, it so, looks like I'm not eating anything spicy no today. No spicy stuff for Luke today, guys. That's super awesome. Appreciate you playing that awesome game, Scott. I did um, about five years ago. I did the one chip challenge. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was $40 for one potato chip, although we were able to buy 10 of them for $150 for 10 potato chips. And then me 
uh, and nine of my coworkers all did the one chip challenge. And it was, I don't know if it was the worst experience of my life, but I mean, it was in the top three. Like I've been <laughs> really, really bad divorce. And I think I would choose the really bad divorce over the one chip challenge. <laughs> I, and I'm Me not too. <laughs> we can commiserate together in that regard, Scott. Yeah. Um, uh, I've also done the one chip challenge. Um, I would put the Not one even. chip up there with, um, I can't remember the name of the sauce. The bomb. The bomb. The, the bomb hot sauce uh, from, have, if you've ever caught hot ones, Scott, right. um, it's like a, a chicken wing eating competition where they kind of are more of like a an interview. interview where they're eating super hot chicken wings that progressively get worse throughout the interview. And one of these hot sauces that they had on was notorious for being not only one of the hottest, but the most disgusting tasting hot mm-hmm. sauce on the show. Mm-hmm. I would probably say the bomb might be my worst experience because at least the one chip while you're eating it you get some version of enjoyable flavor before you get sucker punched in the mouth by hotness i didn't get anything enjoyable about it everything about the experience was just bad (laughs) everything everything i I can tell you that so me and my friends do a hot one thing every year it's the only like the one time a year that i willingly eat spicy food and they had the bomb and it literally taste and smells like battery acid and then you're just in pain for about 20 minutes while you're leaking fluid from every hole in your face yep yeah sounds about no, right yeah but the one chip challenges it's like it's the only way this is how i describe the one chip challenge is that uh one of the guys that did it um was mexican mm-hmm. and that's relevant to the story don't get pissed off at me millennial it's relevant <laughs> That that's a relevant part of this story, okay? Um, because he grew up eating real spicy food, right? Right. Uh, he didn't grow up on macaroni and cheese, and he, there was about a, he had like a twenty minute drive home. He did the one chip challenge. He waited about thirty minutes. Um, he got in his car, could not make it the entire way home. About ten minutes into his twenty minute drive home, pulled off the freeway drove to a park, got out of his car, laid down in the grass for an hour and just sweated. Oh. And, yeah, and that, that, that tells a lot. That's the one chip challenge. Yeah. It's <laughs> it been fun. By the way, I was going to do it again. Um, I, uh, gatekeeper media was going to do a round with me where we played five holes, me against the gatekeeper team. And then we all ate the chip and played the last four holes, but we, we ran out of time to do it. We were going to do it in Australia. Oh, so damn. I'll, I'm not opposed to doing it again if it depends on how many views I get. It's all about yeah, content. Right. All about content, absolutely. Uh, well, like before? But if it's not on video. If it's on video, I'll do just about anything. Oh, absolutely. Before we wrap this up, uh, we would love to have you back on after you've gotten some of the Euro Tour events underneath your belt, just to talk about those a little bit. I would. I would love to come on as much or as frequently as, as you'll have me. Like I love talking to my friends. Um, I love talking about disc golf or just, I love talking about non disc golf stuff just as much. Um, especially if it's turns into Cambodia, by the way, here, I got here. I'm going to tell you a Cambodian story. Let's hear Excellent. It. Send it. This is a great Cambodian story. This is the highlight of the Cambodian event. 
Um, so we're, we're in the final round. It's really tight between me and Tommy um, from Finland. And I think I got him by like a stroke at this point, but just like four or five holes to go. And we step up to the tee pad and it's a water buffalo in circle one. <laughs> okay. Real thing. Now this, this, this course is all over everybody's property. So there's tons of kids around. I mean, like there's kids all over the course. I mean, it's their land. <laughs> you can't really tell them to like not play on their land. Right. Um, but they also are very familiar with the, um, um, how to handle animals. Right. And this water Buffalo was pissed off. So anytime anybody got near the basket, the water Buffalo would kind of like charge them down a little bit. Right. And, uh, the tournament director yells um, at the kids, Hey, can you please move the water buffalo? He, sa- but he says it in Cambodian, right? Which is Khmer is the language. So he says it in Khmer. He says, he says, hey, kids, go move that water buffalo. And everybody starts laughing. And he goes, what's so funny? You know, the kids need to move that buff water buffalo because that water buffalo is really mad. When you have a mad water buffalo, you need to move at the water buffalo. Well, he actually doesn't speak Khmer perfectly. And what he told the kids was, hey, kids, Go have sex with the water buffalo. And when, <laughs> when he laughed, he says, what are you talking about? That water buffalo's mad. Whenever you have a, a mad water buffalo, you need to go have sex with it. That's hilarious. What he oh, said. shit. Um, and by the way, the story just came to me. One more story for you all about Cambodia. This is all the right. story you about, um, about the eating unusual foods. That, that, that mm-hmm. was the question this was about. So... Uh, this has happened multiple times. That didn't happen with me, but multiple people who were there had, had had this experience. They're out there playing the course. The kids follow you around and they'll get, they'll jump in the water, get your disc out. And you know, they make a few bucks. Right. Um, And they're just, they're just, the kids are great. They're having a blast. But every once in a while you'll see like, you know, you might see a snake Uh, by the way, the snake might be a cobra, a king cobra. It might be a viper, a coral snake. I mean, there's things out there that'll just murder you. Right. Um, yeah. So, a couple different people had the experience where they were out there, they were playing. The disc went in the bushes. They saw a snake, and the kid, one of the kids there, just yells "snake, snake" at the top of his lungs, which is great, right? Because you, you got to warn all the white people about the snake, right? So the kid yells "snake," and all the white people back off. <laughs> thanking the kid for warning them about the snake. Well, it turns out the kid wasn't warning the white people about the snake because what the kid will do is he'll yell snake really loud until finally one of his uncles at his house hears the kid and the uncle comes running out the front door with a machete in his hand. (laughs) Because what the kid was yelling was, we're having snake for dinner tonight. Oh, damn. Yes. So the uncle will come out if they if they still see the snake. That that's a that's a delicate. They'll come out. They'll kill the snake. They'll take it back, and that's what the family's going to eat that night. That's that's the that's the people who own the land that the disc golf course is on. Is that amazing? That's insane. That's a culture shock for sure. Oh, it's in, it's yeah, it's incredible. We ate chicken one day. That was there's so they 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 call it free range chicken. But in the U.S., free-range chicken just means it's not in a pen. It means the farmer lets them run around their property. Free-range chicken. I have in, about four of those. Yeah. Free-range chicken in Cambodia is a chicken that nobody owns that walked across your parking lot. 
of your restaurant that morning. <laughs> so we we ate a chicken that that two hours before made the mistake of walking across the restaurant parking lot, and they're like, "Hey, we now have a chicken on the menu." It's just minding his own business. And then we have a chicken. I like that. I like the way that was phrased. We have a chicken on the menu now. Yeah, there was a that you know. We'll take the fish. If, if they catch four fish, they got four of the fish meal. Then it's gone. That's just the way it works. Um, by the way, and then I ate chicken feet, which oh, you know really? I, I've had chicken feet. Yeah, you don't eat the bones. You actually do as you you nibble the skin off the chicken because the skin's like in this honey glaze. It's, I mean, it was actually really good. Except that you're holding up a little foot, which is you got to get past that. Yeah, it's like a, a mental hurdle that you kind of kind of get through. Like, because nah, my hardest part with chicken feet was continuing to envision the chicken still on the foot. Did you? Did you? I, I kept thinking about the chicken trying to play hacky sack with no feet. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely thought about the movie. Um, Oh man, it's right on the tip of my tongue. It's the claymation movie. Oh, Chicken Run. Chicken Run. That's oh. what I vaguely thought about when I ate chicken feet was the the chicken pies that they would make in Chicken Run. Yeah, it, it it's um but that's but that's the culture. Like there's there like if if you come out if you come out to Southeast Asia, like if you go to a McDonald's out here like shame on you. <laughs> that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. Um, and, and hey, in, in Americans and Westerners defense, you don't see a lot of white people there. What you'll see is you'll see the locals eating out of McDonald's because that's that's an ethnic it's ethnic food. Because mm. it is right. it's a, it's an American restaurant. So they're eating. It's like us going to a Chinese restaurant, you know, so in the U.S. So it's no different. Um, but, yeah, it's like the food here is you got to come out here, though. But the spices, you'll have a hard time. It's spicy. Challenge accepted. Yeah. All right. All right, before we wrap this up, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, you want to send any plugs? Any? Yeah, so my um, my six-month online Become a Complete Disc Golfer class is, is always taking sign-ups. The very next class is my sidearm class. Well, actually, there's two classes on throwing sidearm. That's going to be in two weeks. And if you miss that class, it's going to be six months before I'm doing another sidearm class. Wow. Uh, so uh, if you want to learn how to throw sidearm from I'm going to say this I'm 53 years old I still throw easily over 500 foot sidearms with no injuries I threw a 600 foot sidearm flat ground very little wind just last year shot with a laser and I'm 53 years old and it's so, okay to brag yeah no brag away only bragging is I'm trying to sell something that makes <laughs> so like just get that's cheesy but but if you're trying to <laughs> something um you better like if you don't brag like you're not doing your job um right but i, I think it's i think it's a testament to how the like that my mechanics and the way i teach the sidearm is that i'm to this day if i go on the disc golf pro tour like i i jokingly say i could count on one hand the amount of players on the pro tour that throw sidearms farther than me because i can't name any but i'm like Maybe Eagle does. I don't know, but I, I would love to test it. Um, I don't think he is these days. No. Well, I, I mean, lefties. Yeah, he'll he'll be Eagle's going to come back. He'll be fine. I know. But it's like, but I, I, but I don't. My arm doesn't hurt. I don't have injuries, and and so, 
I think that's very a very interesting thing that I, I'm playing with no injuries and still out throwing people because of the way I teach, the way I the mechanics I teach. So that class is in is in just two weeks. So go to scottstokely.net. Um, you can buy all my tour discs at the Scott Stokely uh, scottstokely.net. Click on the store to buy all my tour series discs, including the universe discs. And um, there's a documentary coming out about me and uh, all sorts of other stuff. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been an amazing interview thank you so much Yeah, this has been truly a pleasure scott thank you so much i i will come on as much like this is so much fun for me i love this so like i would if you guys i would come on every week to talk about the euro tour if you guys wanted to do a weekly show like i would like i love this stuff so um we'll be uh, we'll be in touch <laughs> yeah like call, anything, that, call that box checked yeah we can do i mean we could talk about the, the every week talk about the pro tour I, i'm up for anything I would, I would Scott's weekly Euro Tour update. Yeah, why not? This, yeah, I'm down about that. Is that is part of the that is part of my job as a professional athlete is podcasts and Instagram. It's just part of the job, and but I also happen to really enjoy it. So keep keep me in the loop. I would love to pursue more projects with you guys. You guys do a great job. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Scott. Yeah, thank you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. absolutely. All right, cool. Thanks, Al. Thanks again for Scott for Scott Stokely from Scott Stokely. Yeah, no, from thanks us. to Scott Stokely. That that was just yeah. such an awesome experience to just have him on, um, give us the full rundown of international disc golf and everything, everything from the seventies, eighties, nineties, generational disc golf. Um, super shout out to Scott. That was super awesome. And, and if you didn't catch that, he does plan to be stopping by again soon, so, yeah. which will be kind of dope. And shout out to him for making it work all the way from Thailand. So Clutch, clutch. One thing we did not touch on in that interview was, I mean, you heard us make our picks and you had yep. you heard Scott yep. make my yep. picks for me. Yep, yep. But we did not pick our, our what were we calling them? Dark horse top five wild card wild card wild card pick of the week pretty good i like that it's pretty good that wild card pick of the week is so i uh do you want to go first you want me to go first for the wild first i went first last week i think or two weeks ago how long that was yeah it seemed forever ago so my again our wild horses uh we get a half a point if they make the top five yep so kyle klein for getting me half a point last because I'm sorted by rating and he's kind of quite down there at 1028 rated from Grand Junction, Colorado played great at the Memorial. Aaron Gossage is my top five wild card pick of the week. I like it. All right. So I'm also going to go team Discraft with my top five wild card pick of the week. Okay. And I think I would, it would be almost disrespectful to not think that Tour Points Leader is not going to be in the top five. Ezra Adderhold Love is it. my top five wild card of the week. My, my old, I was thinking about Ezra. My only reservation was the woods. I haven't seen him in the woods yet this year. I know I haven't seen Aaron Gossage either, but he's just playing well and he's, he got up to worlds once. Ezra Adderhold was Ezra Adderhold was in that conversation. I know. LVC, bro. He was up there. 
I know, but it's a bomber course. I'm worried about the woods. I don't I don't even know if if Aaron got I'm taking a chance. I think Ezra's only getting better. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's a jacked man. Mid twenties. Yeah, he's a jack jack man and he's younger than me. And I'm not jealous. You're jealous. I'm not I'm not jealous. <laughs> I, I completely understandably, wholeheartedly, I accepted that I was just gonna have a keg for my entire life (laughs) but that being said i have over the course of the last seven or eight years of my life been able to drop a hundred pounds right thank you very much so thank you i will toot my own horn fpo Um, i will let you go first fpo Ooh, this one's gonna be let me switch over here switch over to the fpo oh shit i closed them all um was it Stacy Ronsley that no, it wasn't Stacy Ronsley that won Clash of the Concho in FPO, was it? Um, I can check. I think I still have that up. I have it. I mean, I can just click on her PDGA page. Uh yeah, it was. She won first place at Clash of the Concho in FPO. So not bad for her. I don't know what the field was like there either, but I was just curious. Saw her name and it Remind me of that. All right. Who you got for your top five wild card pick of the week? All right. So, you know what? I think she didn't She didn't show out at LVC, but uh-huh. I think she showed up. Mm-hmm. And even though she didn't catch like a top five, she still placed really well for comparison to how people thought she was going to place, I think, coming into the year. Okay. Give her a, a, a shout out with her new married name, Kona Ooh, Star yeah. Montgomery, for my top five wild card pick of the week that's, in FPO. That's actually really good, and she's from Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah, buddy. Now we're just gonna talk like that for the rest of the episode. Uh, it's real hard to stop. I yes, keep. I want to keep doing yes, it. it. Not going to, keep, to. It's just that that radio voice, bro. Um. All right, I got mine. Now, she did not play well at LVC. But, like I said, Waco is weird. And it's wooded. And she's a former world champion. I'm already looking at her name, I think. I'm going Paige Shue for top five. I knew it. Now... I don't know what the winds are going to be like at Waco. I know it's been windy in the past, so I'm hoping I'm hoping for some good weather. And if there is, I think I think she's got her new bag dialed down enough that she can she at least squeak out a top year. five. She has a dub. In a B tier. Yeah. It's Hopefully not bad. I can catch a couple of those this year. <laughs> but yeah, I'll go Paige Shoe. And uh, wow, I'm, I'm taking risks. That's a reach. But Take, I like it. I mean, I, I took a risk by letting... Uh, Scott Stokely make my picks for me. That is also true. So there's uh, that you too. Know, I wouldn't say that's even a risk well, if you want, but that's that's insider info, bro. That's 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 like if you were staring at the playbook. It's a risk because I had no control over it, is what I mean. Now that's he made fair. some good picks. Great he picks. made one that I probably wouldn't make, but that was what I was willing to give up. All I will say is that he'll be coming off of a dub. Fair. He'll be coming off a dub. Fair. So it's it, like it's not it's not un, it's not too far fetched to think that his pick wasn't off because he didn't pick him your your number one either, right? Yeah, 
if he would have chose him for your number one, I'd have been like, Scott, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, bro? he if he was gonna place where he places, he put him where he should be. I agree. I I, agree. I will agree with that. And just to recap, um, not really even recap, but just more confirm. You have Eagle McMahon. Uh huh. Paul McBeth. Paul McBeth. Joel Freeman. Joel Freeman. And I have and at me if I'm completely brutalized this. Eagle McMahon, Andrew Marweed, Drew Gibson. I believe so. I also we can, we can go so. back and listen I if I also we're believe so. All right. But that being said, I think we're gonna we're gonna bring this this awesome this awesome podcast to a close. Let's uh, wrap it up. Wrap it up, guys. Uh super big shout outs to Scott Stokely again oh, for again. being a super awesome sport. Legend. Um, yes, super legend. Um Goated. he has it tatted on his knuckles. Um if if you don't believe him, ask. If I didn't um, already have tattoos on my knuckles, I would get that too. I don't have tattoos on my knuckles, probably never will have tattoos on my knuckles. Um I have tattoos, but knuckles, eh. Um, but yeah, huge shout out to Scott, huge shout out to our awesome new recording. Yeah. System interface. I guess. Yeah. Interface. Yeah. I was trying to like place the right word for it. <laughs> um, Riverside. Awesome. Been doing great work ever since the Scott Stokely interview. If so you guys, yeah, go check it out. It's, it's worth the price. It's, it's, it's worth fire. the price. It's worth the price. And I think the editing capability of just being able to use it with so many other things yeah. is kind of what we're. We're super spot on. Shout out to these new microphones. Shout out to the new mics. Mentioned them once. These things yes. are awesome. Again, go hit those follows. Go hit those like buttons. Go hit those shares. Go go just whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, I think we're out there as well. So pretty much so, yeah. uh, hit the link tree. Find out where you can listen. Um, also, if you're interested in watching the interview with Scott Stokely, it will be posted on YouTube. So yes, go hit the up the YouTube, YouTube page. See one in the morning. This will be our first debut drop uh, video on the YouTube page. It's the Scott Stokely full interview. Uh-huh. And then so we are filming chance. for a video tomorrow. Yes, so. we'll have an interview uh, first vlog entry. See yeah. one in the morning vlog entry will get dropped on the YouTube page. Um, and we have some awesome stuff kind of lined up. Super excited from just how the last several days have unfolded. So Super excited to kind of get some of that content out to you guys and and make some awesome announcements as to some things soon to come. Um, but other than that, we're going to call it a wrap. Now we'll see you guys next week with our wrap-up of Waco. It's been Derek D. Weibel. You already know what it is. Bye. All right. All right.